So, we're joined here today by Kai Avery. Hello. The one and only. <laughs> um, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, can you tell everyone who you are? Um, yeah, so I'm Kai Abrin. Uh I appear on Field Sports Channel TV. I run my own uh, catering business called Game and Flames, and we kind of specialise in fire cooking with game. Have Very a big Instagram pure. for those of you who don't care about actually booking him. His Instagram is 100% worth a follow. Yeah, so if you look at our Instagram, you might you might get hungry. You do get hungry regularly. And um, yeah, so I've been shooting for many many years. Not really from a like a hunting background, family wise. How did you get into it? Um, it well, when I was I used to live in North Wales from when I was eight. I moved down to the south coast of England with my dad's work. But when civilization. I lived, to civilization from Stodonia, so you know, a mountainous area. And although I never did any hunting, fishing, I loved fishing, I loved trout fishing. Um, my dad used to take me, my dad wasn't a fisherman, but he knew that me and my brothers wanted to go, so we would go quite often. Fly fishing? No, like with a bobble. Nice. Literally a bobble float, because it was just easier, and my dad didn't know anything yeah. about fishing, so for, for, so for that, you know, it was a lot easier oh, to man, take I'm, I'm not a purist, I don't care, catching fish is so catching fish. I remember the, one of the first fish I ever caught was an eel, and I got pictures of it um, back home, and it was, it was about that long, and I demanded my parents to cook it for me. I wanted to eat it, and like everything I ever did, all the trout and everything after that, like I wanted to eat it. And then when we moved down to the south coast, sea fishing was quite big, so I was doing mackerel fishing, cod, and anything off the beach. Um, my passion kind of grew from there, so I went on to get an air rifle, as you do when you start off young, so you'd shoot rabbits with your friends and try and cook it, like ruin it, you know, be too tough. Or I had no idea what you were doing, but you would, you would try it out. And they were really good days. I remember being... There's something about those days though, I don't know, like you mentally convinced yourself that this was the best food in the entire world, regardless of the fact you just cooked the but best yeah, I used to watch, it. But you used to watch like um, Ray Mears and things like that. Yeah. I think that was so cool. I want to do yeah. something like that. Like you want to live in the wild for a year, but you're only like 13, so you can't. Yeah. So I just... I loved the idea of shooting something and cooking it and like everything was being almost like completely natural and how we used to do things back like Neanderthals or whatever, proper hunting and cooking. And like I've always had that passion, I can't, like I've tried to explain it before, I can't describe it. It's something that's so far inside you that you just feel it's right. And I've always felt, even since I was like a young child in Wales, I remember like I've got this, I'm going to eat it. And I've ne that's never left me. So when I first started kind of proper cooking when I was shooting with the air, air rifle, whether it be like a rabbit or a pigeon or something, like I started to learn more and more and more. When I was 15, I, I worked in the kitchen. So I started off washing up when I was actually about 14. And then the assistant chef left, like the sous chef. Then I came on board, like and started learning up the ranks. I then I ended up running the kitchen when I was like sixteen. So I'm not, oh, wow. it's not it was not like a, a fancy fancy restaurant. It's just a pub. But at that age, I was like learning, and I, I was also a bit like pissed off because I didn't like the idea of deep frying everything and kind of like chucking things in microwaves. It just it's not the way I wanted to do things. So as I kind of went to college and was trying to study music, trying to find my way in life, I ended up starting another business called Wild Food Catering Company. So before Game of Flames, I started up a catering company. So we were specializing venison burgers, yeah. um, wild pulled boar and pigeon breast wraps, but they're all like for game fairs. So the CLA, Midland, a lot of the countryman fairs at the time. So you're traveling around a lot doing that? 
Yeah, like we yeah, yeah, nearly every weekend in the summer, we'd go and do that. But the problem is with the events industry is that it's really hard. The weather, British weather, is so unpredictable. Like, it's ridiculous. And you don't get a refund if the business you don't get, isn't No, you don't. And the, the pitch fees as well. So you go to like the CLA, like it costs like two grand for the weekend. Now you've got to get- For a smallish pitch. You've got well. to get like five, six people to work with you. You've got to put them up. You've got to put them up. You got to kind of pay, and then they'll take ten percent of your profit at the end because it was like a middle company doing it. Like every, you know, just trying to take you every way you can. And wow. not only that, if you wanted to sell drinks, you'd have to buy the drinks for that company. You couldn't go to like Booker's or whatever and go and get something. Not all events are that, but that's what the CLA was like. And it was just, I just realised I'm working my ass off for nothing. Like, and yeah. it was really so seven years we did that. Um, took a year out and then I, then I started Game of Flames purely in the beginning just to teach people. So I started <laughs> teaching school children. Like um, forest schools kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, basically like a forest school. So I would teach them skinning, butchery, kind of plucking, um, little recipes, satay rabbit or kind of like kebabs and that stuff. Really easy, quick stuff because you can't really do slow stuff yeah. when you've got, you haven't got your kids for half a day. And that kind of grew. But then the wedding season came in and we'd, we started doing all this fire catering and it kind of like erupted. So like the last two, three years has been like going more and more and more popular with, with, good. with fire cooking because you, I mean, you seen yourself, was it last year, the yeah. Viking, we, that Viking arms, that was the client day. Um, we, it's not only just like a taste that tastes good, but it's actually, you know, it provides kind it's of a theater. It's, it a theater. A feature, yeah. it's a theater, it's a theater. So you kind of, so when people book us for weddings or something like that, our selling point is we try, I try and provide a lot of the games as I can or from the local area. Um, it's theatrical. So not only do you get really good food, but you actually get like another dimension to your wedding day that people will remember rather than like a, like a anemic chicken yeah. breast in like watery sauce. You know, it's actually sharing platters on the table, like carved medicine. A proper ones, feast a sort proper of proper feast. Yeah. But it's social, so it's like how it should be. If you're having a wedding or whatever, you know, you want it to be social. So you could, we could be sitting on a table. Have you written a know. wedding guide? Yeah, I feel like you should. Life should be next it's, it's it a could be on the way. Like, Your wedding should be my, like this. I'm not going to disclose all my secrets yet. <laughs> but if, if you're sitting at a table, it's happened many times where you don't even know the people on the table that you're sitting with because yeah. you know, just people like But by having sharing platters and things like that it's a talking point and it gets people talking and it's a complete, you know, different dimension and it works really, really well. So that's what, on the business front, that's what I've been doing. And about five years ago, I went with um, Phil Sports Channel TV. Um, so I've been- How did that relationship start? Bumped into David and he was like, well, you're local to me. You know, well, we've seen what you've done before. So why don't you come on board? And it was something that I really enjoy working with David because when you're, when you're working with David, David gets the best out of you. So when you're filming, you don't feel like you're being filmed. Like you just feel like you're with your mates or whatever and you're just talking away and it's very natural. So what you see is what you get. So when you get like people laughing and having a good time, it's not staged, it's yeah, generally- people laughing and having yeah. a good time. And that's kind of, you know, and that's- yeah, he's a lovely guy from my limited and exposure. The other good thing about David is because all his knowledge of the shooting industry is very superior to most people. He knows everyone and, he, and because he films everything, his actual hunting knowledge is probably better than most hunters as yeah. well. Because if you think about it, he's out there every week, you know, days, Being filming all over the world, all over the country. rabbits, or he could be, you know, red deer in Scotland, or, or just anywhere around the world, and he captures it, and he takes that on board. 
So if you're filming something and something's not quite right, or you need to say something again, or and he'll correct you, and he'll you know he'll work with you. It's it's really easy working with him. So we we've been doing um, hunt and cook for a few, yeah. like, enough for a few years. And as I said, that's, we've been to Norway a few times, Hungary, Croatia, all over the UK, probably somewhere else as well. Can't remember, but it's like it's great fun. So seals was it seals? Yeah, you remember that? I remember seals, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about we seals. We didn't shoot a seal though. No, you didn't shoot a seal, but you did. We were out right? there for days yeah. trying, to, trying to shoot. So, my friend Trigger, who's actually just gone back today, yeah. this morning, I dropped him off at the airport, he come down. Um, we were, I was invited out to shoot um, the grey seals, so they have a, a small season over in Norway. But they're very different, they're not close to land. At the time when we went to get them, they're literally on rock pools out in the middle of. Um, in the middle of the, of the sea. And it's really, really difficult. Like harbour seals are everywhere. So you can, there is a season for them, but we went after them because we were too late. And uh, so we, we had a permission to shoot um, a grey seal. And they do cull them. Uh, they're, they create yeah. problems for the fish farms. And, um, and uh, you know, so they've got a certain amount they can cull. So we go out on the boat and try and find these seals. And we were out there for about two and a half days, like overnight sometimes. And there's a nice. smallish boat on a fairly choppy sea. And there's a, a small boat. Area. So there's a, couple, there's a couple of things with this that's quite funny. Was we did get into a group and he was, the sea was quite rough. So I don't know if you remember this footage, but uh, <laughs> so he, he managed to kind of get me in on the back of this island. And then the seals were on another island. Literally there's loads of rock islands. You really, when you're driving a boat, you really know, need to know what you're doing because it's really dangerous. You're gonna crash, yeah. yeah. So we're sitting on this. I had, my, I had the rifle with me and everything else, and I took like a little camera, a little GoPro as well, and I'd mount it and then get down on a bipod and try and sh shoot these um, shoot these seals. And uh, you think that you know how close they are, but literally I'm sitting there firing like I think they're about 150, and like I can see the water in between me and them splash in the middle. So I'm going for 200 and it's getting, like the splash is getting closer. I just gave up because it was, it was just absolutely just like guessing, you know. I didn't have a range finder on me. You're middle out in the sea and we, they look really close, but they weren't. They were, must have been about 350 meters away. It's it's the getting in a, in a position and or whatever. And, but to have that opportunity was really cool. Oh, I was going to say, it was about the experience. Because, yeah. Because really you ate cool. seal at the end of it as well. Yeah. Right? So How was that? Really nice. Um, Really, I can't even describe what kind of, I didn't even know what it's going to look like or what it's going to taste like. But I'm just trying to, it, it was quite rich, it's very dark, it was quite dark meat. Kind fishy of or not, just meaty? Um, a little element of fishiness, but meatiness too. It's got a taste of its own. I can't, I can't, you have to try it to kind of, but I remember he was telling me one thing that had to do with the seals as well, believe it or not, is test test it for trichinella yeah because it's you know it's because you don't want that no eats other animals and it can carry carry the uh, disease so when they do shoot a seal you have to get it sent off to be tested like you would a wild boar or a yeah. bear or something like that um so but he luckily he had some in his freezer they had so we cooked it in a barbecue i did like a kept it quite basic i did a little bit of sweet sauce with it as well and that was really cool, really nice. But you have to try it because it's. I'm ta I haven't tasted it. anything like it, and to get to the point now. It's a few years ago. I'm starting to forget what it tastes like. So. So you're thinking of a return trip seal bashing? It's been spoken about, yeah, to try and 
redeem. We, yeah, to do that again and see and see if we can go out there and, and, and take on or maybe a harbour seal. They're, they're easy to get to. The grey seals are much bigger and um, trickier. So actually, if you'd shot it, you'd have to get it into the boat. That's not you have to kind of hook it in, apparently. Uh, but you have to get gaff to, it and drag you have to it back get to, to it quick, land, yeah, yes. and bring it in. Um, but it's the little things, you know, like how do you gut this thing, or what do you do? Because yeah. like it's not like a deer or anything. You know, it's a complete. Well, it's hard enough to shoot big deer. Well, yeah, it, dragging it somewhere. Let alone yeah. So I was really intrigued on that part of how you prepare it. And like, what? How do you cut the bits off it? The meat bits, and what can you eat off it? What can't you eat off it? Um, so I think a return trip is needed to have a look into see if we can do that. 100%. <laughs> so is that up there in your list of favorite favorite hunting experiences? I would I would say my like, um no like yes it was it was great fun and it was nice being out there. It was really hard work because trying to find these seals. Um, but I would say like my favorite has been recently when I went to um, Finland for the moose. Yeah. That was unreal. That was unreal. We went to um, like the middle of Finland uh, with this um, guy called Jarko, as you say in, in Finland, in Finnish. Hunting lodge in the middle of the forest, very beautiful, amazing. Just like great hospitality, great food, great people. But because we were filming, they, um, they we wanted to get a moose on camera. So he had divided down um, a few dog handlers. So there's uh, three or four dogs. Two of them were, were young girls who were like exceptional. You know, they were amazing hunters. Something that you don't really see much of that. We have got great female hunters in the UK, don't get me wrong. But these women would like live in the woods. They would live and breathe it and they'd be out there on their own in the woods chasing these moose and and things and it so we got there um the dogs got the collars tracker tracker apps and you get that on your phone as well they're going to 4g to run that or is it all <laughs> yeah believe it or not they're <laughs> that's there, crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so we're out and then they they basically go on on a trail and we go out um walking about with with a guy with the dog and then you'll see everybody's dog is on this app, so everyone shares the same. So you, you see the picture of the dog on, a, on like a GPS map and um, and the routes they go. Now when the dog's onto a moose, it barks. It doesn't bark when it's not on a moose, but when it barks on a moose, it counts. It's like a barks per minute. So you'll see in the top corner, a certain dog will have like, if it starts going to 30, 40, 50 barks a minute, you know he's it's on close, a moose. Yeah. I think start, it's going squiggling around on the map. Then you just have to run there or drive or whatever because it's a huge area of a few kilometers so there is like a few forest roads in between and you basically the only way you can do it is intercept so you have to try and guess where it's going to go you have and to look at the, the, it driven to you by luck so. yeah we have to look at the layout of the land you know and see what's a probable way that it's going to go and we were chasing this moose for a few hours and we at one point we stopped i mean i was breathing out my ass and so was David to be fair yeah. but like we were just running down the road and we see about 200 meters away just like just quickly just cross the track this moose oh, bugger. and then you know we eventually got into position we can you can hear the dog with your own ears now barking the distance you know there's a moose in front of it it's getting closer and closer and my heart was like going because like you can hear it getting closer and closer and closer so all we had to do is I just braced myself against a tree 
and soon I have this small gap, as soon as I see that that moves in my peripheral vision, as soon as I see it come in, I just pull the trigger, then just in front of it, and then hopefully I've got it. And we did. And um, but I just remember standing next to um, our guide, and he was saying to me like, he could almost feel my heart beat through my shoulders because <laughs> it was. I mean, because you could hear the dog coming closer yeah, barking, and closer. Barking, barking. Yeah, and, and you not just know it's animal anyway. And you just you, you know it's imminent, and then you don't. At the same time, you think, God, oh, I don't want to shoot the dog. I don't want to do this. And you've got all these things going through your mind. So I just like went against a birch tree or something, and then as soon as I saw it, I pulled it, and then you could hear the dog stop, so it's barking, so you knew the moose was down. And we managed to put a good shot in it and got in there. It was just like a complete amazing experience because it's, I shoot a lot of deer, a lot of fallow and everything else, and it's great, but something the size of a moose you can't comprehend until you actually just walk up to it and see how, you know, just think like these, these, these beasts live in the forest. And they're just absolutely just like kings of the forest. They're, they're just monstrous huge. Monstrous things. Yeah. They really are. And just their legs are so kind of long and spindly and white as well. And the way they, they walk or they run, they're just, it's very peculiar, not like you would see like a deer. Um, so everything about it was like, so that was really cool. And then we got to take some meat. Um, I cooked up some of the heart of that evening, little canapes, and then we had, we had a sauna. Um, David Wright loves the sauna. Don't tell too many people. Well, oh, <laughs> yeah, he loves that. So yeah, any excuse for, for a sauna and a beer at the end of the day, just to kind of chill out, because it's really hard work. I'll bet, yeah. It's really hard work. Um, Having fun usually is. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the trip, we made some kebabs, we all whittled the sticks, and I got some rubs together I made, and we all sat by the fire, and we all shared the stories of the hunts. And everything. So like, like we said before, the shooting bit, it's not the it wasn't easy by any means it's the glue that binds it all together yeah right? i mean you know it's the whole experience that i remember it's not just the shooting it's everyone sitting around talking about it or talking about their own experiences it just brings everyone together and to share that moment with people that you don't really know that well and you get to know them and so the good food and and uh, drink and company you know that's the bit i remember most it's how how nice that is but on that same trip, which this is the reason why it's like one of the best trips I've been on, is because we got to shoot a um, black grouse. Yeah. <laughs> it was, so we shot the black grouse with um, a 6.5. Yeah. All right. Um, full metal jacket out the top of a tree, which is something like in, it would in be the U- mildly frowned upon around here. In the U- in the UK here, if you you know if you. Start shooting pheasants out the top of trees birds, with a two four three. Yeah, <laughs> on top of the horizon with a with a yeah, the two four three or whatever. Like you just think you're mad and you'd lose your license. But this is a, like in in like these dense areas or like remote areas, it's it's the norm. I thought it was going to be with a shotgun initially or something, and you can do that. But you can't do it from no. But these these, these birds like they live they 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 live, they perch themselves on top of like a birch tree or something. And or a spruce, and they're like a few hundred meters away. But if they see you, they're like they just they just go. It's not like you know if if you see a pigeon in a tree, you can probably walk up to a reasonable distance. Like I'm talking hundreds of meters. It, so we were end up stalking these birds like they were like they were deer or something. We we didn't get it just complete clean. It's a small target at that sort of range. Maybe yeah, you, yeah. You're talking about something like that, and it's up high, so it's affected by the winds and everything. But luckily, it was. The last day, because we've been the day before, 
long day, no luck. Last day, about an hour before we had to leave for our flight home, we managed to get in position on this rock and shoot one at like, I think it was 260 meters. So we shot this black grouse at 260 meters off this um, pine tree and then it, then it dropped. And I just remember seeing it, like the beautiful colors, the blacks, the kind of the blues and the white, like almost, almost like magpie style colors and some yeah. of it as well. And obviously the red crest. Um, it was just an amazing experience. And then we breasted it out. Well, I actually skinned the whole thing, breasted it out. Then we cooked it on the fire. Like, not much to it, so you get the proper taste. Quite a wild kind of gamey taste, but it's lovely. Um, similar to grouse or not? Yeah, it's quite similar to grouse, but this one was, a, I would say, even more gamey like the, the black grouse, the one I had anyway. Um, so then we had to rush, get all our stuff together and then go to the airport and go, and, and kind of go home. But that was an amazing trip. I've been lucky, I've been got quite a few. Um, reindeer was the other one, went out with Trigger. Um, we've got some amazing footage on that, which really weirdly, like we made a couple of videos of Field Sports Channel. The better one, I think, has got less views like the one with me eating a reindeer testicle, it's got 3.5 million views, like, which is, well, it's gone viral, me eating yeah, a testicle. People like to I see never you think that eating growing up, testicles. I didn't think that'd be one thing is like, you know, what people get to know you a lot about is eating reindeer testicles, so. It's gonna affect your kids for the rest of their lives as well. Yeah. Imagine that. I have to sh show them later on in life when they're ready for it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Just, it's gonna come out of school. <laughs> You're all man. He's yeah. reindeer testicles. But, so, you've asked me a couple of questions and I really enjoy coming because it's a bit of a impromptu visit. I'm, I'm on my way to shoot some Seeker with... Um, Should I have some good luck with? Elliot Pidgeley up in, in Leamington area. Um, so, on the way through, I ran out of 36. 36 rounds from shooting a few days, the last few days, fellow. So, I rang our message yesterday on social media, which is great, you know. Wonderful thing. Yeah. And uh, you had some in, so I've just popped by. And um, generally, really impressed with your you, setup here. I think it was really nice. And to be honest, Wait till you get to nice. <laughs> but the range of ammunition you've got, like all around my area at the moment, like no one's got a 3006. No one. And that's what I'm shooting. And But here, like you bring out quite a few boxes. You had your Barnes, you had RWS, Seiko. Should say there's a mild bias that I need it for myself. So it, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's cool. It's really nice to see, and you know the choices. And I've, I've noticed as well you've got the kind of the simulator as well, the driven. That's yeah, quite cool. So I'm gonna have to come back another time and try that. I'll challenge you on it if you like. Okay. Then. Not like throwing down a gauntlet. Or anything, if, not you're, that kind of if you're working my way back in a couple of days' time, maybe I'll stop by then and we'll have a challenge. Oh, uh, a wild boar fever challenge. Yeah, well, cool. How many balls can you excited. kill in a minute? Maybe that's a little bit harsh. Maybe we'll give it a go. Can I, can I have a few practice rounds first? Is that all right? Cause I, as long as I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those things like, you'd imagine like, I should go on it all the time. I just like, don't, it's depressing. <clears throat> yeah. Some of the guys that work at playgrounds, do you shoot a lot? No. <laughs> I think you're too busy working, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Too busy watching other people enjoy the sport and you don't give a time to it yourself. Yeah, that is the oldest gunshot line in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, too busy working. Not everyone goes out shooting at it. Yeah. Or you're sick of guns and going to do something else. <laughs> Anything exciting coming up? Um, so, coming up, it's. So, catering wise, it's, it's quite quiet now because the end of the Summer season. Summer is your main sort of. 
Shooting-wise, um, I've got a few invites. Look at nothing really major on the horizon. Possibility of going maybe Spain next year and some other places, but we'll. Should be good. Yeah, I saw that out coming up, but at the moment, um, Ireland too. I've got another invite for Ireland. Um, so that's probably going to be next year. This year, I'm, I really need to concentrate on my own ground. I've got um, I've got a lot of management to do there. Uh, two uh, primarily on the fallow. Fallow, yeah. I, I have got row, but I don't really touch a row because there's not enough numbers, so I just leave yeah. them be. But the fallow, you know, I get groups of twenty or thirty on small fields. Um, so that's what we're doing this last few days. Actually, was trying to cull, well, manage the numbers, get them down. Because the farmer's tearing his hair out. You know, the and summer, that's just traditional stalking you use, or yeah, yeah, no, no, literally just traditional stalking, really. So we would, um, I've, I've just put some more high seats up in the last few days. Um, I've got some more made, made them ourselves, and get them in position, uh, ready for the winter. But um, yeah, so the last last summer on on two of the farms, I mean, the deer decimated a lot of the crops, and obviously in the summertime just before the bucks come in season, all you can do is watch them kind of chew up and chew up the ground. And then even when you do get onto the bucks, they seem to disappear. Yeah. And then the, the does are having a party every night and you can't even touch them. Oh, all you're doing is just watching. And the farmer, he doesn't really know deer seasons, you know. Yeah, and he doesn't care. So he's watching all these deer absolutely just tear it and it's, it's really hard. So I need to try and make a bit of an impact this winter. So he'll have a bit more of a respite next next year. And again, we're managing, so we're not wiping them out. Um, we still have a healthy population, but at the moment it's massively overpopulated. So we're just trying to kind of thin down the numbers. We use the meat for my business. Um, we take the mints and, other, and um, some of the dice and we give that to the farmers and even even local people really. There's, there's people who live on the edges of the farm who know who I go and shoot there and they see me rock up in my truck or whatever, they know who I am, but I always try and give something back so it doesn't look like I'm just going in there shooting. And so I always try and be friendly with them. They've got kids, and I say, you know, feed your kids with it as well. And they take it all, it's brilliant. You're big on feathered game as well, or is it mostly venison you do? Um, I really enjoy feathered game, not so much. Um, it's more pigeons, I would say. Yeah. So it's more pigeons. Yeah, it's one of the finest meats out there, though. It's my favourite. It's my favourite meat out of all of them. Um, I love pigeon breast, and we have it a lot on our menus as well for the mm -hmm. business. But the likes of um, pheasant and partridge, I do enjoy an invite every now and then. But it's, I quite like to sh to hunt and shoot things which are truly wild. So when they come in, and you have to use your field craft to get them. So we're stalking. We have to build your pigeon hide. That's what I like. To me, that's the big part of shooting is using your own instincts and trying to outsmart kind of mm -hmm. your, the quarry basically. So the stalking, the kind of the pigeon shooting the hides or the roost shooting or whatever, that's what I really enjoy. Um, but I do enjoy going, you know, for a pheasant shoot or a part shoot, it's quite social and I do take birds back with me or if you're doing ducks as well. I just don't do it as much as, as the others really, so. Everyone has their own thing, right? That's the yeah, beauty of the world. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's true, and you know, it's, it's each to their own. And uh, I've had some great days on both. But also, when you got like when you got family, when you've got, you know... When you, you have a very small amount of time, yeah, and you have to yeah. use it so preciously. Yeah, you've got a small amount of time, as you said, and... Unless you build your business around it. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's either stalking, mainly just stalking, rabbit shooting, yeah. and uh, every now and then pigeon shooting, really. That's kind of. And uh, yeah, and that's what I really enjoy. And so when I do get the time to go out, you know what it's like yourself, really. Yeah, you need to do yeah. what you enjoy the most. And you've got to get brownie points every now and then, so you've got to chuck a few bits around the house to free up some other time. But it's, you know, everyone's like that, you know, when you've got a young family and things, it's, yeah. it's so hard. It's, it's, it's not easy because- there's, there's a small room for looking after yourself, and but it's it not, is small, isn't and it? And it's not even for your spouse, it's your kids, you know? They yeah. want to, you want to spend some time with them. They're only young once. So. Yeah, this is it. And I don't think there's anything unmanly about looking no. after your family in the slightest. No, I, um, I, yeah, and I, I agree. And you know, I've got two girls, so at the moment they're not really more into Barbies and not shooting. So you'll get them that way, though. But every so, so one day I'm out deer stalking. Next day I'm playing Barbies. And next you're day you're any good at Barbies. I'm getting better. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting. I'm you're getting like level better. ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Barbies. I much prefer like the Saturday morning or the Sunday morning kind of like Peppa Pig or whatever it is. Peppa Pig is Satan, mate. <laughs> just sit there and just. Right. I'm blessed. Bo, we sit and watch Spitfires on YouTube <laughs> flying around in circles. Yeah, so that's different, like that. yeah. I'm quite happy with. <laughs> or tractors. I can kind of get my head around both of those. My little pony, too. So. Yeah? So skinny and bony? We've sang that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Not spoke about shooting them yet though, so it's fine. Yeah, you have to teach them about the horse meat scandal up front, <laughs> and this is why we <laughs> need so much game years. at home. <laughs> yeah, a couple of years, and it's. I think I think that will that will, that will come up. Uh, the other part of your business, you teach a lot of cooking still. Yes. You get a lot of new people who sort of experience game for the first time. Yeah, I mean, so we've <clears throat> last year we did the end of our Groupon style course. We did Groupon for a while. It was hard work, Groupon. Groupon. Never again. It's cool. I enjoyed it's it. It's a good business turner. Not, not, not much money in it. No. Um, but we did get a lot of people not in the shooting community. So people who were kind of just fancied something new or a, a gift for their partner who likes to be in the woods but never, never actually touched a feathered game or rabbit or any, or you know anything. Oh, yeah. So we would do like small, small game butchery courses. We would do like a couple of deer, deer in a day courses, and it's all in the woods. So. We do 10 people at a time, up to 10, and we'll do like pheasant, pigeon, a rabbit. Uh, they'll come, and we'll skin it, butcher it. They'll make like tacos and things like that. Real nice, simple, yeah. yeah. But everyone gets involved, so I make, you know, someone makes a guacamole, someone makes a salsa, then we, this is after we've done the butchery. Yeah, and everyone gets involved. Yeah, we're cooking the fire, then I get them to kind of cook it as well, and I just oversee it. And everyone sits down and has a really good time. And it's, one thing I say to the guys in the beginning, I say, it's just, this is a relaxed course. It's not like full on, this, it's not blow your intense, mind, no, yeah. intense, educational. We're here it's to- It's literally just- We're gonna cook I, as a, a group want, and yeah. enjoy each other's company. I want, I want you here to enjoy yourself. I want you here to take a little bit of knowledge in and if you can, pass that on. So we always have extra games and I say, who wants to take, take some someone. back to take teach someone else or take, take some home? And it works really, really well. So we're going to put some more courses up for next spring. We don't do it in the winter. It's too cold and wet and miserable. So we'll wait for spring. We'll do that and a couple of deer butchery courses. And then we'll roll into Then we roll into our kind of catering season. Then autumn time we'll do again, just a handful. Just kind of keep ticking over really. Just kind of keep your hand in it. And just, it's nice to do those because I really enjoy doing them. 
I loved in weddings and stuff like that, but it's a lot of stress and pressure. It's work, the other one's sort of sharing well, you know, your People pay a lot of money for their special, and you have to make sure that everything is as perfect as it can be. When these courses, is you can relax as well. Even though you're teaching, but there's no pressure. It's not intense, is it? No, it's just, you know, the only thing I've got to worry about is the weather's not going to get bad. Don't cut yourself with weather. this knife. Yeah, and yeah. no one stabs themselves or whatever. But it's cool. I really, I really, really enjoy it. And we'll probably do a couple more than we did this year, next year, and then see how we get on with that, really. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Right. It's been brilliant to have you on. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you sort of all sorts of politically motivated questions, but I feel like it's way leave too those, intense. Leave those questions. Way too intense. Yeah. <laughs> <I wanna, laughs> this, this is cool. No, I really enjoyed it. No, um, it's been no, thank you very much. No, thank you. And um, I'm sure we'll see you again soon. <laughs>